we put a sort of blossoms this is and, and we went backstage and we had a bevy with them and that and then Tom was like Fran have you met me mum and dad they love yous and then <laughs> like got booked off and I spoke to his mum and dad for like half an hour <laughs> 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 I think it was boss you know what I mean it was, a, yeah. it, was a, it was a good feeling the fact that like when Tom goes home or goes for a Sunday roast they're like you know they'd be the ones we, if they cho- chose the music it'd be us they put on yes yeah, you on in the background of the yeah, road you can imagine can you're on like a Sunday like Tom I wish you were more like Red Rum I love I love the idea that no matter what Tom Ogden achieves in the back of his yeah. head he knows his mum and dad prefer yeah. Red Rum Club that's like yeah. that's playing like class. Stockport like selling 15,000 tickets for Stockport <laughs> Yeah, uh, not Red Room Club, though, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Right then, team. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Scratch Record podcast. We're joined today by another incredible guest. Everyone this week, everyone this series, not this week, the series has been ticking through with amazing guests. And if you have been enjoying, make sure you're subscribing on Spotify and clicking the notifications, getting, the, getting in early this week, because I feel like I always leave it to the end. We've got a band this week who have been amazing in the scene recently. They've been featured on BBC Two and Radio One's new music playlist. They have been on the Tin Star series. Their sound has been used on that. They've played at the Glastonbury BBC Institute and they've had 1.4 million streams in 2020 on Spotify alone, as well as becoming 16th in the UK vinyl charts, as well as 58th in the UK overall album charts. We have Red Rum Club here today. How are we, lads? Good. Hi, boys. Yeah. All good. So I think that might be the longest accomplishments that you've done in an intro yet. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got a bit warm. I was like... <laughs> I was like wait. <laughs> it goes on and on and on You've for you, lads. Before, haven't you? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We fucking we like to dig down and find everything that you've done, and normally find a few. Bits. <laughs> I was like, like, oh yeah, Sam. when 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 did we play Glastonbury? Did we? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that one's who it is. Headline Glastonbury, and that's what we found. <laughs> All right, Sam. Well. As in this season, we tend to get straight into the more traditional questions um, for anyone who maybe doesn't know your story, hasn't heard of Red Rum Club. Um, so let's take it back to the start. Formation of the band, how all of that went together. When did you guys start? Well, we were, there's six of us, um, but the, me and Tom are cousins. And when we were like teenagers, as you do, you pick up a guitar and start playing. Um, and Mike and Simon's on the same and we were sort of like all in the same area of Liverpool, all North Liverpool, playing in bars and clubs and whatever, just playing covers and, and messing about. Then we sort of all come together one day and Mike started playing songs. And then for about three years, we just done the pub circuit. We were writing a few songs in there, but we weren't serious. Mm. We were just drink, having nights out, you know what I mean, every weekend, just, <laughs> just in a band to impress girls and to yeah. drink free beer. It's <laughs> all so ever is, still, to be fair. That's, that's still what we were in <laughs> Um, but then uh, Carl Hunter from the farm um, he lives in like our area and he's he there of us our manager George Wilson he got in touch with us and was like boys you know I've heard a few things I've seen a few things I'm interested in he had a few contacts in the industry and then 
we knuckled down and started writing songs from about 2016. Mm. Um, Carl Hunter got us into Park Street Studios uh, with Chris Taylor. We recorded a few singles for free on their record label. It was all just sort of come in, let's write, let's uh, record a few songs, release them, see what happens. Um, on the back of them singles, like they each single got bigger and bigger. We went on tour a few times and then, oh, sorry, Joe got involved then. Around that time, we were writing songs and we were we were just another five-piece indie band. Mm. Um, but then when we were putting demos down, recording, we were trying to put like string sections and like brass sections on it. We were, we were going like sort mm-hmm. of big and grand. And then Mike bumped into Joe, we went to school with and told him, you know, what we wanted and what we needed. And Joe was like, well, I play trumpet. So Joe was in. The next week he was in a practice room with us. He had the worst pair of pants on I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> And we had to say, we, we were like, Joe, you can be in the band, but you've got to buy, buy a pair of black jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did. And then we just went on tour again, and uh, a record label, Modern Sky, got in touch and said, like, we like your stuff. And we, by that time, we probably like reached a, a bit of a following in Liverpool to sell a few shows out, and then same in like a few cities around the country. And then it sort of, uh, then we got the chance to release an album, and it just sort of went like that over the last two years. Wow, I mean, it's it's a pretty incredible story to be fair, isn't it? And how did that? Did you always have a bit of an album in mind? Because I was like, it's, you both your albums have released quite close together, haven't they? So did you just have like a shit ton of music just ready to go? So when they said album, you could just be like, yeah, there's there's the songs, we'll do it. Or was it like you sort of started from scratch then? Yeah, like, we did. Yeah, we had a lot of songs because we've been together for so long, and we just wrote and wrote and wrote, and then went out and gigged and whatever. We had a lot of songs when we first got that, like that record deal. And it was like, right, we need to write an album. We had everything there anyway. We probably had 25, 30 songs. Yeah. But it was just about creating that first album of what we wanted it to be and what songs we wanted it to be and stuff like that. So we had, we had pretty much everything there because we've been writing the first album, really, for a year and a half, two years. Yeah, that was the biggest graph. You know, we talk about like all everything you see from the public side of things are like going on tour and playing shows and do even photo shoots and stuff like that and interviews. That's sort of the good stuff. The bad stuff, it well not the bad stuff, but the hard yards was like when we probably spent about twelve months, didn't we, Neil? Doing all nighters in this building in Elevator wow. Studios where we would just we just sit up and we just write songs and demo them all night and Back then, we didn't have any sort of responsibilities. Not that me and you don't have any now anyway, do we? Neil? <laughs> we build up. But it was nope. sort of like, if we wanted to be here all night, we could be. If we, yeah. we, were, we were here four times a week practicing or writing or demoing and just getting the songs as good as possible. So when it come about, when the chance come about, it was like, you were ready, do you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was all fit, ready to, ready to go with the first one. And then the second one was... All sorts of done on the hoof, wasn't it? Neil? <laughs> uh, we all liked it. Yeah, it was we, written we like in the back of a bus or in a dressing room in a festival somewhere. Fuck! Oh, that's really sick. Because I feel like the um, from going back through them, they've obviously got like quite similar vibes. But this, the Hollow of Hundred, felt like you really went for it for like what makes you more unique, as you said, like the the sort of big grand songs, the trumpet bits, and all that. It was like turned up another notch. So is that like a conscious thing or is it just like, I don't know, a natural progression from the first one? Yeah, it was a conscious thing. I think we were just more confident, to be honest, because we released Matador. When we released Matador, we'd done 18 months of like solid gigging and it was like every show was 
almost a sellout or virtually a sellout. And then we go into festivals, festivals and play smaller festival stages. And it'd be chocker. And we were like, this is working, this is working. So, mm. you know, before we released Matador, it was like, okay, yeah, maybe put some trumpet in and yeah, okay, maybe like this, maybe that. And and it was also a little bit nice, uh, you know, safe. Mm. And then then you get to a point where we we come we come into the studio right after the first album to write the second or to record the second. We're like, yeah, let's let's turn Red Run Club right up and write write the album for the main stage at them festivals that we've just been playing. Yeah. Mm. And you know what I mean? It was sort of like we're on this bus now. That's us. We're in that pigeonhole. So let's just milk it for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best way to be as well. Once you've found your sound, like trying to chase it and be that and be as confident as possible within that realm of realm of music. And with having a trumpet within the band, that's something so unique at the moment. Where do you, where do you draw your influences from? Do you take it from back of where the like, when trumpet was big in jazz sort of vibes and try and throw it into the mix, or is it kind of a, a different different way? It was big, but it was sort of like big scores, wasn't it, Neil? It was like film tracks yeah. and sort of Hans Zimmer and all that sort of stuff. Even like Last Shadow Puppet's first album was a bit like that, wasn't it? And, mm-hmm. and I think we sort of like dabbled in that. That's for Matador. But then Hollow Humdrum, I think it was a bit more disco, wasn't it? It was a lot more disco for Hollow Home Drum, yeah. And a lot more, like, instead of thinking it of, like, of a big band, the way that we did in Matador, like, it was our selling point after that. Like, that was, so don't do a big band, just do it like it's a trumpet on its own. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like, like Mike sell and Tom, that point. Mike and Tom, the guitar, the guitars were just pulled. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guitars were just, like, turn them right down so you can yeah. hear the trumpet and the drums and me, and it just sort of... That's the sort. That's the way we went with it, and and I'm glad we did. Like to be honest, because as you say, you do straight straight away. That's the first thing you hear. Mm. Yeah, definitely, I think it's given you that real unique selling point. And like a lot of the bands that we've been speaking to and stuff, there always has to be something that sort of takes you above. Because like, there's a lot of really really good indie bands around now. So it's a bit like to take that next step like you have, it's a bit like you've got to do something. And that's why I really lo- I was so happy when Hollow Hundred came out because I was hoping that's what you'd do, go from Matador. Like it was a bit like you had, as you said, you had those elements of like the trumpet and that. Went, and then it went from being like almost like a trumpet solo in the C section to like it's all the way through and it like runs through the whole song and it's a big element. So yeah, yeah I think yeah. It, it was, it, it has, it has worked and it's sick to see that you've sort of taken that plunge i just don't know what we do next now <laughs> well well i mean now you've said it we were going to come on to it what what is is there like is it straight into thinking of a third album now that's that's what i'm doing today well me and uh me and mike tom and joe are all here that's there's there's probably 10 to 15 songs written for it wow. already but i don't know you, you don't when it's one of them you, you you're not sure until you get until you get closer to the time, I don't think we'll ever sit, you know, because what, what's what's happening now, what's cool now, it won't be when we're recording it in six months' time or 12, whenever it is, you know what I mean? So mm. we're just going to write and write and write and see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, as yeah, I said, yeah. Joe's still there. Joe's still there downstairs tooting away. <laughs> still trying to find his right bits for the song. Where, yeah. you, where are you pulling the influence in for the third album? What we what we kind of expect, what are you writing at the minute while we're expecting to hear from it? 
don't know. We, well, it, we think it's going to be a summer. We think it's going to be summer 2022. Cool. So right. we're thinking bright, happy thing. And, and if you look back, Eleanor, probably the most successful song on radio and, and Spotify for us. So happy, bright, mm-hmm. let's all get together in a field or let's get together in a, a venue and jump up and down maybe or sing along. That sort of... the I think we... It's, it, we're, we're at a luxury now, though, because we've got um, got a bit of time. Usually, we come in, okay, right, let's write a single, let's write a single, and we and mm-hmm. we have, you know what I mean. We whereas now we just if something comes about, something comes about, we're just going to play it and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're thinking somebody, we're thinking L.A., California, Will Farrell in short shorts <laughs> on rollerblades down a beach. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> that, <laughs> that, maybe trim that down for the album title, but that sounds good. <laughs> That's it, the album artwork. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's it. It's there. <laughs> that sounds sick. So with, when you say it like um, with writing it and stuff, how... Um, how does that process go for you lot? Because with six of you in my head, that's a lot of voices going on. So is it quite collaborative or is it a bit like there's certain people that do that side of it? I mean, it, it starts with, it, it really depends, doesn't it, on, on the song or the idea. Most times it starts with Tom. He kind of will have an idea or he'll have a beat or he'll have a riff or he'll have a melody or a lyric or whatever. Mm. And he'll program it on, on the laptop or he'll show us it and then, It'll go from there, and then at that point, like Mike and Fran will go, "Oh, what, what about this? I've got this. I've got this idea." And then Joe will think about his trumpet parts, and me and Sai will put bass and drums down, mm. and it'll go through that like the six stages of us. That's why, like, we are in quite a luxury, quite a luxury position in the sense of like, if any one of the lads have an idea, it is mainly Tom or Fran or Mike. If any one of them have an idea, by the time it comes to a finished song, it's gone through six lads. Mm. And if it gets to the end of it, you know, we kind of know it's that it's like, it, you'd like to think it'd be a tune. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny that because, and we, we do, we don't, you know, we don't hold any, we don't pull any punches. Like there's one downstairs, you haven't heard it yet, Neil. And it's been, we've been working on it today. And I've said a few times it's shit, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Still, yeah. We're still just going to crack on with it because we've got that luxury of just, See what it's what it's about. I might go down after this call, and it could be a totally new song because they've added mm-hmm. a bit of it. But we are brutal with each other. There's no ego. We're mates, so it's sort of like no, that shit. Go away with it. And come back when it's well better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you finding the the lack of the lack of gigs is something that's kind of helping you in this process of writing and allowing you to have a bit more creative freedom because it's not as rushed. Yeah, I, it also just changes the way we write because. We're not writing for gigs. I think if we were gigging at this time, or yeah, if we were gigging at this time, we'd be trying to write another like fast tempo upbeat motion song to to open a set with. You know what I mean? And Angelina mm-hmm. on a Vivo or something, and then or like a bit bit of a groove like Elevation. Whereas because we're not now, I don't know. We're chilling out a little bit, maybe. I don't know. It, but it, it seems that way at, at the minute. I think we're all a little bit chilled, a little bit more like I say, summery and. Mm. So does that um, what it, go on? What it, like what's been said as well the past like few weeks in between like between us is like in thinking of planning for that third album, we don't want to say we want to get Radio One. Let's write a song that's gonna get on Radio One, mm. or let's write a song that's gonna get a playlist, or let's write a song that's gonna get us on a Spotify Spotify mm. playlist or whatever. I think the thought is like let's write something that 
we like, regardless of whether it's five minutes or fucking 25 minutes or whatever, let's write something that we think is cool. So I think that's probably going to, like, that's helped in terms of, like, lockdown. It might not be 25 minutes. It might be 30. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, nice. I like that. I think that helps. But does... Have you ever had any big clashes over songs where like a couple of you are like, this song's brilliant and a couple are like, it's shit? Or do you tend to be on the same wavelength? Yeah, we have um, clashes, but it's just, it's one of them, isn't it? We just sort of go, well, I don't think so. Like choosing the track list for the art for both albums, it was like some one of us, there was always one song that one of us wanted on and it didn't get on. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm. that. That's just the way it is. Just luckily enough, because we've got so many creative forces in the bands, there's enough. You know what I mean? You're at least happy with eight out of the ten songs that go on an album. It changes. It that changes when we. Uh, probably the worst thing is the set list, isn't it? When you when we've got yeah. half an hour set list, picking yeah, picking eight songs out of two albums is hard. So I'm gonna hate it when it's like, we know, yeah we that that's normally the hardest bit. But I was I was yeah, I was thinking about this the other day about like what we argue about in between the band. And it's never normally like songs. It's never like even bits in songs, whether they should be there or lyrics or like anything like that. I remember on, I can't remember where we were going, but we had an argument on the tour, on the van over, and I don't know if you remember this, Fran, but we had an argument over whether the one child system in China was beneficial (laughs) or detrimental to the country. I love it. Like and I swear to God, yeah. it was like a two and a half hour like argument. Like we were like fully like Google Google and like the statistics of whether it worked or not. It was like ridiculous. I love that. Like, I was thinking about this last like yesterday and I was like, there's no like why would we argue about that? What was the point in that? Like, first that of all, it, how yeah. did we get to that conversation? And yeah. secondly, why were we that asked? <laughs> yeah. What what's your standpoints? Oh, um, don't. Fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. it, we've got time. Yeah. Let's just open, yeah. reopen that. I haven't got strong feelings about it. I was just arguing because Neil said one thing and I said another. I just wanted to say it. We were on the M1, like no, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah, Isn't music it? doesn't matter, does it? Let's put the world no. right. Properly. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it. Red Rum Club aren't just taking on music; they're going to sort fucking everything out. <laughs> world hunger, like it's it's getting sorted. Everyone, don't worry. It's in fans. Oh. Oh, you can't it. put you can't put that in because we've got a Chinese record label. They'll pull the money now. Yeah. So whatever keeps them happy is your conclusion. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. The one. Yeah. The one shell system definitely works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> Oh well, talking about that tour, what was what was some of your favourite gigs that you've played over the pre-COVID? Like, what's some of the favourite ones you've kind of played together as a group? I was thinking about Romania yesterday, Neil. We went yeah. to um, we played a big we played Summer Wells Festival in Romania, lads, and it was just like Unreal. that was sort of dream stuff, wasn't it? It was movie. It was we had we got the treatments, the superstar treatments, and it was just. Crazy. No, even Glastonbury when we turned up, it was sort of like no one come and carried your bags, and it was just like you turn up, and if you're on stage on time, you're on stage on time. If you're not, it's also, and then there's like a little porter cabin behind stage that you've got to go and drink warm beers. You get one warm beer each, and that sort of thing. <laughs> oh. And that's wow. Glastonbury. Yeah. yeah. 
you know what I mean? Whereas we we played in a Bucharest Summer Wealth Festival, and on the lineup was the National, the nineteen seventy five Jungle. Uh, who else was the Neil Tender Black Honey, mm. and lo- loads of like, and we Sick. opened the main stage in nineteen seventy five on the Saturday. Oh, and we played at like six o'clock, and they were on at like ten o'clock. In yeah. between was Jungle and and someone else, and we took the pale waves. Pale waves. Oh, sick! Pale, pale waves. Wow. Yeah, pale waves are sick. So it was like, and we arrived, and like they paid for our flights. We flew there, arrived, chauffeur at the airport, took us to the Hilton, top floor of the Hilton room each. Chauffeur sat outside twenty four seven, food whenever you wanted it, sauna downstairs. It was that. Do you know what I mean? Fucking and hell! We didn't re- like. We thought we played a few like what days before, you know. We we played in Sweden, Korea, and stuff like that. And it would put it, and it was sort of like get to your stage. It was like find mm-hmm. your hotel and get to your stage. But this was just all absolute rock star lifestyle. And met the nineties backstage and jungle and all that, and Sick. just amazing. It was a pump. Like, and then we played so to about we, four and a half thousand people. Yeah, and like in the dressing room, we had like a fridge full of beer, and like obviously there was catering in there and stuff like that. And they were like, when you're finished with your fridge, there's a pump just outside and we're just going to keep refilling the pump, just go and pour your own pints. Oh my fucking God, that is so sick. Wow. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So it, was like, it doesn't feel real, does it? No. no. Did you and then I remember we finished playing and I went out to watch the next band and like, I felt like someone was like looking at me and like I noticed these two girls who were looking at me and they lit- like they were about 20 foot away. And they didn't make it, like, they made it completely obvious that they just, like, just put the camera up and just took a photo of me and then put the camera down. And I was like, hey. like they didn't hide the fact that they were trying to do it. It was yeah. just, like, blatantly obvious. They didn't come over or anything. They just took a photo of me. I'd like, so love to see that photo of you just so looking at them, like... <laughs> they've just oh, taken like it. just like... <laughs> I want to know what group chat that went in and what the caption was when they put it in the group chat. Who the fuck does this fella think he is? That's mad. Did did you find that you loved all that or were you in there and you were just like asking for a warm can of Carlin from somewhere because you sort of wished you were back like at Glastonbury or were you like, yes, this is sick? At the time I loved it, but I, I just kept having to think I'm just a stupid scouser who just wrote yeah. a few tunes. Like that, that's 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 all you think every time, don't you? Even when mm. people come up and say that's amazing, you're just like, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel like that. You're great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you've got to you've got to remember that like that's not real life. Like you can't come home and like kick the door in and be like, where's my beer? Where's my rider? Yeah. Make me better. <laughs> like it just it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's mad. As as another side thing, you said you met the 1975. They've been a bit contentious on this podcast. What what did you think to them? Like in person, away from it, were they were they sound to me? Good very, lads, yeah. very nice Just, lads. Huh? Really nice. Sound. Sound. Yeah. And, so we, and... we um, was it me and you or I can't remember if it was me and you. Like we were watching Jungle in like the crowd. Oh yeah, it's me and you. Yeah. And, me and you and they, like these two girls come over and we're like oh my god like you you were amazing um have you met the 1975 and we were like oh, they've just come in i think like they've just arrived because they were i think they were at a get festival and they flew in mm. and they were we were like yeah they've just got here and she was like um I, i've made this poster like i've 
I've drew this poster for them and like unraveled this like a massive it was massive like <laughs> all like hand drawn like photo pictures of Matty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Can you get them to sign it?" We were like, "Yeah, Sam, let's, let's give it a go." So we walked in and George was coming out like George the drummer was coming out of the dressing room. We were like, "George, do you mind?" And to be fair, he was like, he signed it, took it into the dressing room, got all of the lads to sign it, took photos with it all, and then gave it back to us to give it to her. Class. Oh, that's fucking like they were they were they were proper proper sound like. Yeah. That's that's nice. incredible. We were, we were just chatting about it because we were saying like you lot have played some amazing gigs so far. Like even just being involved on the introducing stuff at Glastonbury must have been incredible. And we were, we were thinking like there must be someone that you lot have kind of felt a little bit maybe starstruck that you've met on the way or someone. What's the coolest person that you've seen like kind of come across that's been interested in what you're doing as well as like in the same sort of venue as you? Um, Blossoms are cool, weren't they? They're good lads. We know them. Well, we don't... We can say we know them. We've met them more than once, you know what I mean? Mm, that counts, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, we, they asked for us to play the Liverpool show because they recorded a pass with us and we know, the, you know, we know them, sort of linked. Mm. We let on to them if we, if we see them in Liverpool or at gigs or whatever, festivals. And then... So they were, like, just dead cool. That's exactly what I thought he'd be. Yeah. Probably my biggest one, though, was Jack O'Connell, Neil. Yeah. He was probably no Jack O'Connell, the actor from Skins and yeah. Stars. Yeah, yeah. We met him on at Isle of Wight Festival, headlined uh, Thursday night, one of the stages on Thursday night. Um, and then we went to the press thing on the Friday. We had a few interviews on the Friday morning, and he came over to us and was like, Boys, last night, that was great. And I was like, I just watched that um, Godless on Netflix's new series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Oh, oh nice shit. <laughs> and then we spent all weekends with him, and he was. He was the biggest rock star. Like I've met right. loads of rock stars, but he was an actual rock star. Noel Gallagher was headlining that night, and he's mates with Noel Gallagher. And we were stood with him having a drink and all that. And Noel went, "This is for my mate out there, Jack. He's got yellow shorts on." And <laughs> I was, we were with Jack, and he, he played was on your shoulders. Yeah, and I got him on my shoulders. But like <laughs> he was—he's not a rock star, but he was a rock star. Do you know what I mean? He was yeah. like. All weekends we just couldn't keep up. I was like, I just want to go to bed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on it. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's sick. Mm-hmm. So is there um is there anyone that you've met and you may be a little bit like more disappointed by? Or has it all been like generally it all seems quite supportive and everyone's like no matter what people like in the public eye, they seem nice behind or but is there anyone that you met and you were a bit like, oh, they might be a bit of a knob and they might have been. No, I don't think, think so. so. No, no can't I can't remember like either. meeting anyone and being like they're a dick. Mm. That is good. That's, that is... that's probably the other way around. That's that's, that's usually a side. <laughs> <laughs> that means that means you yeah. lot are just nobbed. Said that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, when you were when you were talking about blossoms, then like I ended up spilling red wine all over me like beige jacket. So I was probably like that's probably why they won't let on to me anymore. True, yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, remember that fucking who drank our red wine and spilled it all over. <laughs> That's quite funny. I feel like you, you guys and Blossoms have quite similar vibes for some reason. I can't really pinpoint why, but I think, yeah, it's quite probably quite the the chill, almost chill, but um, I think it's the sing along element of it. Mm. I think that that yeah, melody, quite, yeah, very very yeah. good melody between both of you is like that. Almost like could get a crowd all singing the words. Like I know. Sometimes when you listen to some rock and roll tracks, like you struggle to sing along to the words because they've got certain aspects that are either too quick or <laughs> quite shouty or like don't quite yeah. go. Whereas I feel like yours are all very 
festival sing-alongs. Yeah, that's what we. That's sort of what we aim at. Like we were. It's quite diverse when we write and stuff because there's so many of us and we think about. It, but we we it's one of them. You've got to cash in it far and wide, so you've got to you've got to play to the mums as well as the, the teenagers. You know what I mean? And if mm. if there's a if there's melodies there, anyone's going to sing them. Do you know what I mean? You can have your songs where you're having it, and the, the kids at the front are going to mush. And then you can have your slow moments or your sing-along Sweet Caroline moments <laughs> and everyone can join in then, do you know what yeah. I mean? I think that's what sort of a similar ballpark of what, what we're trying to achieve, you know what I mean? If we yeah. can get one or, or ten songs on now, that's what I call karaoke. <laughs> that's the goal. That's <laughs> the yeah. goal for the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking to uh, the Covacets a couple of weeks back and they were saying like they're, they love the fact that their people's dads come up and talk to them and say that their dads come up and they're like, you're actually one of the better bands I've seen from the, from the genre at the moment. I think that's a, it's a good way to look at it because that mums and dads and that era of people had really fucking class music. And now we're seeing this resurgence and to have them sing along to your tracks must be something that's almost like mind boggling because they're, they're probably the hardest critics to please. Yeah, well, we were funny you should say that because when we played in Liverpool, I didn't even speak to Tom because Tom, we went backstage with sort of blossoms. This is and and we went backstage. We had a bevy with them and that. And then Tom was like, "Fran, have you met me mum and dad? They love yous." And then <laughs> like got fucked off and I spoke to his mum and dad for like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was boss. You know what I mean? It was a, yeah. it was a, it was a good feeling. The fact that like when Tom goes home or goes for a Sunday roast, they're like. You know, they'd be the ones, if they chose the music, it'd be us they put on. Yes, you on in the background of the... Yeah. the you can imagine, can't you? are on like a Sunday, like, Tom, I wish you were more like Red Rum Club. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> more like Red Rum Club. <laughs> I, love, I love the idea that no matter what Tom Ogden achieves, in the back of his yeah. head, he knows his mum and dad prefer yeah. Red Rum Club. That's like... Yeah. That's Playing like class. stuff for us, like selling 15,000 tickets for stuff for us. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not Red Room Club, though, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no matter what they do, his mum still hates them for yeah. his Red Room. Yeah, you're not going to beat that lonely <laughs> one, are you? <laughs> That's class. Um, well, speaking of Liverpool, you mentioned him playing there. I want to know what it was like coming up through Liverpool, because I think it's... um. A little bit like Manchester does. They're sort of like the two hubs of music throughout sort of the decades in the UK. So I feel like you've got a lot to maybe live up to. And we've spoken about like bands coming up in Manchester, if they feel like you get constantly then compared to what's come before. Did you find that when you're coming up through Liverpool that you people are sort of just expecting like Beatles tributes and that sort of stuff? And when you're trying something a bit different, is it like, I don't know, just make it harder or easier, do you think? Yeah, the bar's higher, isn't it? Um, but but the, in in the other thing, people take you more seriously. So you, you could drive down to London, and if you're a, if you're from Liverpool, I think they go, oh, they're from Liverpool, and I think it's a little bit more like, oh, the, it's a Liverpool band that are coming to play London. So mm. they, they, you know they probably got to a level in Liverpool, a Liverpool, a city that sort of knows its music. Yeah, to be taught, you know what I mean. They, they've they've got out to Liverpool and have become now a touring band. So I think. You're taking a little bit more seriously, but because of that, your standards are a little bit higher, I think, yeah. Mm, yeah, I think it's interesting to think like you have to live up to it, but I was looking at it, because it, I was on your Spotify earlier, and it crops up now down the side, 
like where your most listeners were. And you had a lot more listeners in London than you did Liverpool, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. Like you do seem to have like captured a big audience quite quick, which I think can be quite hard because sometimes you can make it in Liverpool or Manchester, but then like breaking through that barrier is quite difficult. But it seems like you've done it quite like really. Yeah, I, think I, I don't know why. Like we play some, we played some good, great shows there, but I don't know. It's, yeah, maybe, maybe it's all the the mums in there. I don't know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, it must be just Mrs. Ogden just sharing the word on the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I say, but we've had great shows there. But for, for our listeners to be that, maybe it's just there's more Spotify. Obviously, there's more in London, isn't there? So you yeah, sort yeah. of statistically, you, the percentage of you're gonna probably catch a few or gain a few fans just through that. But we just we'll go anywhere and play. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a good way to be. Like a lot of people are saying that, like, get it, they'll just book anything in. Like, I think it's a really sick way to kind of cast your net round do you do you not remember like your first I've just oh right okay sorry when I've just caught myself doing this in the uh in the camera and my <laughs> granddad does that and it's a family fucking joke but he like, does this thing with his hair and I've just caught myself doing that you turn it into your granddad. <laughs> thinking, yeah. is that like thinking feet yeah that's like my little thinking thing obviously now that's a <laughs> that's a family thing oh fuck you turn it you turn into it more and more day by day mate that's it, Isn't it? I've got my high-waisted trousers on I'm scratching my head like him for fuck's sake <laughs> uh, what I was gonna ask you is, is do you casting back like do you remember what it was like your first show outside of Liverpool yeah Sheffield Sheffield yeah yeah downstairs in Totem wasn't it or was it Tramlines oh in the Crystal Stage Tramlines was it that one yes yeah, so, yeah some, somewhere it was ages ago about 2016 wasn't it yeah it was a long long the well first... not that long but it was a long time ago <laughs> I remember the first show outside of Liverpool where we it went off. It sold out, and it went off. There's people crowd surfing. There's people bouncing. Was... Remember them? Cafe Tolton downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Cafe it held Tolton. about 150 people. I think we'd been there about four or five times before. Mm. And for some reason, <clears throat> this time it was like, yeah, boys have sold out. To me like what? And then it was sort of like, obviously three or four people. I told three or four people who told three or four people, and then it just that just filled the room of 150 people, and they were just proper up for a night and, and it just went off and then we come off I remember Tom saying that's a game changer that he was like it was one of the first moments we, like, yeah. we realised like oh this is like we could do this in every city yeah. and then we'd just be a band then wouldn't we and like it, it was a it was a sort of rubber stamp of like oh yeah we can go that it was a bit of it injected a bit of belief into us yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely do you find that do you find yourself now missing those like really small intimate 100 man gigs or are you like like you prefer it now, but like imagine you could like want to go back and do those because it's a different feeling, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's like the good thing about us is like depending on what city we go to, we're still at a different stage. So like Liverpool and Manchester and Sheffield, we're like we're at a wait we can fill a bigger venue, even like London. But then if you go to like up to Glasgow or whatever, or go over to Newcastle, they're a little bit smaller, so you get that like little intimate gig. It's it, it is boss. Mm. I, I think also it was alright for the first album because a lot of it we were just we just got up and just went and played and just had a go sort of thing but now I think we 
we're taking a little bit more seriously. So we're just sort of it's a little bit more like make sure everyone's in time and make sure it's all you know nice and neat and tidy and everyone's guitars are in tune. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's that sort of thing. It, I think we've sort of we've played a few bigger stages where we're like we've we've compared ourselves to the next band older 1975 and we've been like oh that's how you do it you turn mm-hmm. up you don't have a drink you you you, you sound check you're on in ears it's all to it's all bang on bang on the guy you know what i mean it's all choreographed mm-hmm. and the lights go with it and, and there's so much riding on it and i think we're just just about getting into that stage now where i don't think we'd be able to do i mean we'd still be able to do it definitely but we just we like exploring that one. Do you know what I mean? We we mm-hmm. like exploring, going and playing a thousand caps everywhere, and having a light show and having sort of a choreographed sort of full set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then maybe do them, and then the night after, go and get sweaty somewhere in a basement. Yeah, it's good to have both. I think it's one of them ones where, like me and Joe always say, it, like we love the intimate gigs. Like I've seen some like crazy bands to like such small numbers, and I think then seeing them it's nice to see the progression but also that intimate venue there is you can't get anything uh, else like it it's such a such yeah. a it's such a unique feeling because you almost feel like instead of singing above like the lead singers instead of like singing above the crowd or looking to like the back they're actually looking into it in, which is yeah. quite it's quite a nice it's quite a nice feeling as a as a supporter and a listener of music as well like the smaller ones but then seeing people progress into that bigger venue is something that's almost quite it's heartwarming to some extent, isn't it? Yeah, and and you've got to, from our point of view, we've got to make that as make that step as as sort of uh, smooth as possible. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it gets. I think it gets to a capacity. I don't know what it is. Probably just over five hundred, where people turn up and if they've paid over fifteen quid, they're going to expect you to be on your top form, not just stumbling yeah. on stage and and you know missing lyrics and missing beats and whatever like but yeah I, I, you do like looking people in the eyes and and sort of mm. you know seeing the sweat dripping off people's faces and that it, it is something yeah. a bit sinister about it isn't it <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that and oh, go on now oh go on Joe what do you yep okay um Right, there's one, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about you did a gig in Leeds at the Brudenell Social Club maybe two years ago. Uh, do you have anything to do with the supports? Are you, do, is that to do with your promotional company or do, like, do you pick and choose them? Because one of my friends was um, in... I can't remember what we've done. That, that... That, I think they're, they're now called Lucky Iris, but they were everyday people. Yeah, I remember them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I, uh, they were they were some of my yeah. mates from university, and I just was wondering, like, what the for people that are trying to get in on these supporting sets and stuff. I wanted to kind of see what what it was that you like, look out for for when picking the supports. It's probably hard work as well as like being good. So we were chasing blossoms and stuff like and, and support stuff like that for ages. Mm. by sort of approaching management and going, who's their manager and who's that manager? And, blah, blah. and it really comes down to the fact that we met Blossoms through Park Street. We met their manager. Our manager done their manager a favour because he's a doctor. Our manager's a doctor and he wanted to do some weight loss. So he's like, yeah, come in, come in. And, and it was sort of like, who you know? Yeah. We met Circle Waves. We were meant to go on tour with Circle Waves. Um, 
we met them backstage, got speaking to them. Chris Taylor from Parsley's, who was on, who was on sound that day, knew Kieran. Kieran got speak, got speaking. We just all sort of, and then we were like, mm. oh yeah, when you know, we'd love to if any any chance sort of thing. And yeah, it was sort of being there and being proactive and be you know being in the industry. Yeah, it's a lot of you know a lot of the time sitting in your bedroom and playing songs and then sending them over emails. Not enough. You've got to go and see gigs and be like, how are you? I'm such and such, and introduce yourself. It's it's mm. sort of that that's sort of what works for us, wasn't it? Yeah, and like I remember there was like a a good bit of advice that we got off our agent, it was. And he was like, have a look at everyone who's coming to gig in your city and just message them. Just message them on Instagram. Not even to be like, can I get on the gig? Just be like, listen, I know you're not from around here. If you fancy going out for a pint afterwards, if you fancy meeting for a drink afterwards, we'll show you where's boss. Like, you'd be surprised at the amount of bands that just, because, you know, if you want to go out for a drink after the gig, you don't know where to go because you've never been to that city before. So if you've got someone to show you around, that's what it comes down to a lot of the time as well. Mm. Yeah, I, like that. I think that's interesting. I think there's an element of just like, like they want to make it as easy as possible. And like I'm sure you do when you're looking for a support. You don't want to, you don't want to go looking. Like if someone presents themselves to you in a good way, an interesting way, then you'll be like, yes, yeah, Sal. Like, you'll, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it solves a yeah. problem. So, and And it's also... A lot of the time, from our point of view, well, from our point of view now, if we can pick support bands, it's like, what will they be like backstage? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. are we going to be able yeah. to, after, after it, be able to have a drink in that? And are they going to run over the the, the, the time? You know what I mean? Are they going yeah. to be off stage and clean? Like, it's just that, isn't it? Just sort of, and then like, when you got extend that even further, to like from one show to like the whole tour. So do we get on enough with this band to go on and see them every day for the next month? Yeah. Like, mm. and, and that's just, that's just how it is. Mm. Being sound, basically, being sound and good helps. Sound. So <laughs> be a good band and don't be a dickhead. Is the advice from Red Run? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sound. Put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. We're giving you all sorts of merch ideas. <laughs> uh, I have one question that I wanted to squeeze in, and it's something that we sort of ended up asking the code sets as well. And I think it's quite a nice question. I'm interested to ask you because you've got so much music, and that if both of you, if you had a set in front of, like, say, thousands, thousands of people, and there's loads of radio people there, critics, everything, this is your chance where if you blow them away, you'll go big time. If you fuck it up, then it's a big opportunity missed. But you've only got one song to play them. Which one would you both choose? Good, that is oh, a good question. Stumped, stumped them. We've stumped them. Oh, that's a good question. We've got to think that about is it. a good question. Does mm. it have to be ours? I'll do Charlemagne. Fuck it. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, does probably... the crowd, so no matter what song it is, does the crowd know all the words to it? Yeah, the crowd are going to be like on it no matter what. Uh, it could be well, lonely or Eleanor, probably. Nice. Oh no, kids! Kids addicted will kick off, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd kids go. addicted would be a good one. Oof, Elevation. Okay, that's interesting. Because you don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then at least I know that I won't fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think it's interesting because, like, a lot of time, what bands think is their favorite like it's not necessarily the big ones like like would 
would you rather be lonely is probably like I was looking like your biggest dreams and maybe the better known one. Like sometimes that means you don't want to play it because maybe you enjoy it less or is that not really the case? You just still love them more? No, that is the case. Like when we go back to what me and Neil usually share a room or me and Joe. And I don't know about you, Neil, but that's in my head. It, you, the last couple of tours, the last couple of tours, we end on that song yeah. and we do about 47 chorus, <laughs> like choruses right yeah. at the end. <laughs> and you go to bed and it's just in your head and you just... <laughs> I'm sick of that song. Yeah, you're sick yeah. of it. Yeah. You, but you like it for the for the well the ten minutes that you're playing it live you enjoy it but then you know after then you you never want to hear it ever again like <laughs> yeah and like it always seems to be that whenever anyone comes to speak to you after the gig it's like I love that lonely tune that's good yeah. you're like got so many other songs yeah 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 <laughs> oh brilliant well I think that's 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 what we got for the for the regular stuff I've brought a new section into this season which is a, a new segment where to get to know yourselves and the band a little bit more, everyone else that's not in the call at the minute, I've made up some... Odd... Over there, you know. Are they actually? Oh, yeah, they're getting they're involved. Come on, come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, let's up it. This is perfect for this section because it involves. it can involve you all. Here's my... Hi, guys. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. You're all right. All right. Yes, yeah, um, not bad, not bad. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask a few based questions, and they're a bit off the cuff, but you've got to pick one person from the band to give you a hand with the with the scenario. Ah, oh, that's good, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Right, okay. They're 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 odd. They're not they're not like your standard like who you send into the shop to get your pack of fags. They're like they're they're a bit weird. Um, so the first one I've got for you is you've been awoken by a loud noise. There's a lot of crashing, clanging, all that shit going on downstairs. You peek over the banister to have a look, and it's a wild bear is in your living room, at, taking a taking a gobful out your sofa. Who is it from the band? Are you gonna give a bell to give you a hand, scare off that bear and get rid of it? Mm, okay. Joe, because he's got the trumpet. So bring the <laughs> trumpet, loud noise. <laughs> yeah, always thinking. There you go. You wouldn't be, to be honest. You wouldn't be able to get them off, would you? Have to be <laughs> I'd say yeah. Joe, yeah. So we can do the. Yeah, that's a good one. though you never know though. That might just piss it off, and it might just go even. Yeah, but then it, 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's the most useful, and the one you wouldn't mind getting eaten as well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't pick you, Neil. To be honest, I'd what? pick you, Neil. I'd pick yeah. Love you, mate. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. mate. <laughs> Who do you pick, Neil? I think Joe's a good one. Like, are you messing with Joe? Is a good one. I've just you, and, you are. And you. <laughs> you just picked you. Just picked you. Uh, I didn't even want you. <laughs> to be honest, Mike is fearless. Mike, but yeah, I'll give you that, Mike. You are fearless. I think the weird. I think the weird stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. It's, it's, there's a thin line between them, isn't there? To be fair, <laughs> you could probably have a bear as well. But I wouldn't. The only thing is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want Mike to be killed by said bear because he is too. He's too good. He's too useful. Oh, yeah. that's nice. So, so you yeah. have to sacrifice Joe. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Right. The next one I've got for you is 
You've been approached by a time traveller for to give you to give him a hand with a certain task that he's been sent on. He's got to try and prevent 9-11. You can only take one other person from the band with you to help this time traveller prevent 9-11. Who are you taking with you to give you a hand? Neil, because... Brian. Yes, thanks, Neil. I'm just getting off, please. You brought him in. He's come over and got involved, and you both just ignored him. It's horrible. <laughs> um, I, I choose you, Neil, not because of you, though, because you know, our fellow used to be in the army, didn't he? So you could, we could just ring your dad, yeah. and he, he'd, he'd know what to do. While we're there, we'll ring your dad. <laughs> Why would you pick me, Neil? I just think you're quite logical sometimes only sometimes not all the time <laughs> sometimes you're quite logical and hard as well <laughs> <laughs> class well I've got I've got another one for you so you've been approached by some ghost hunters or some uh, whatever you call them the people that kind of get rid of ghosts in their houses mm. if you believe Claire, in clairvoyant that's it. Yeah, one of them. They've approached you and they've asked you to give you a hand clearing out a mansion. You've got to hold like a seance, do the old Ouija board stuff, try and help get rid of these ghosts. Who from the band is going to be the best at taking that? <laughs> Tom. It'd definitely be Tom, wouldn't it? I imagine how funny Tom would be there. <laughs> so Tom is like, Tom is my cousin and Tom is Carl Pilkington. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He's the bit, he's, you know, he's a genius. Musically, he's just, he writes like, I don't know, he writes like Shakespeare or Beethoven or something. He's amazing, but day to day, he's, he's honestly got <laughs> the he's most useless there. person. Uh, like, <laughs> common sense wise, yeah. just doesn't have it. Yeah, but like, like to the point, should we tell that story of how use, useless he is? So like he's that useless that his sister asked him to take the dog for a walk. So he went downstairs, put the dog on the lead, walked out the house, shut the door behind him. At that point <laughs> that he remembered that he forgot his keys, <laughs> tried to get back in, but looked to the side and also forgot the dog. <laughs> the dog was in the window looking at him. The dog was in the window looking at him. Oh my god. <laughs> that is well good. Oh. Just send, send him into the mansion and see what happens. Yeah. He'd just, he, he just take the, the, the fear out of me because I'd yeah. just be laughing too just much. Laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that. that. I like that. Neil, who are you taking? You taking Thomas um, off? Sai, I'll take. Because he probably knows the ghost. Why? He is one himself. He is a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Brilliant. Well, I've got one more for this scenario section. You're you're doing a tour in Colombia. You're trying to crack South America, and you have some illegal substances in the boot right. of your car. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most incriminating answer I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh god allegedly oh. sir this is not if anyone's listening not incriminating evidence <laughs> oh, right <that> really <laughs> so, 
Uh, right. So you've got the. Do you want to finish, you want to finish the question? <laughs> I will. I will. I will. So. <laughs> You've got these illegal substances in the car. You've been pulled over by the Colombian police and you have to try and get the coppers not to search the car or you're going down for a long time. Who is going to be the person right, that you it. are having persuade the police not to come in the car? Uh, you, Neil, probably. You reckon? Yeah. Or me, I can chat a lot of shit, can't I? Yeah. I'd either go you or Mike. <laughs> you'd end up rolling, Mike would end up rolling rounds with the police while we got off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, you need like the charisma to be able to like come up with some bullshit story about how like you were Colombian and you knew him or something just to get off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say you, Neil, to be honest, because you're quite like, you've got a law degree, haven't you? So, you. <laughs> <laughs> You'd know something about something. <laughs> Get a loophole somewhere, you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll so give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> the Colombian yeah. law section he took at university was yeah, really yeah. useful. Yeah, I got a master's in Colombian law. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'd say as leave the car. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. And uh, yeah, just got to go. If you're confident enough, you can get out anything, I think, can you? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that is that's the end of the old scenario questions. I'm still crying. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a good end to a section when we've got the fucking lead singer crying on call. That's it. <laughs> Happy day. Well, I'm glad that went down well. <laughs> Just before we finish up the podcast, we have one last little bit which we do in every podcast, which is kind of where we shout out up and coming artists or people that we're looking that we're listening to at the minute that kind of need a little bit more eyes on them that deserve a little bit more recognition than what they're already getting. So is there anyone that you lot are listening to at the moment that you kind of want to give a bit of a shout out to? Uh, keep an eye out for Brooke Colm. Colm or Coom? Colm. Colm. She is unbelievable. Um, plays piano and got a voice like Alicia Keys. It's amazing. Sam. Don't think nice. she's got it out at the minute, but yeah. she, she's got some like um, little videos on Instagram and that. Cool. Um, but wow, she's gonna be nice. like, well, she she's gonna else. be well bigger than us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Mad. that's why we're we'll trying to like. In. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on like that. Neil, you got anyone for us? I'm gonna yeah, concur with uh, Brooke Coom. So beautiful. You just don't, that you, good. You don't really listen to much music, do you, Neil? No. <laughs> None at all. I sit here and read about Colombian law. Just in case. Oh God. El, have you got anyone? Uh I'm gonna shout out one that we've spoke about before, but I think it's very fitting that we've got some scousers in the call. I'm gonna shout out a band called Echoes, mm. which they only have a self-titled EP out at the minute, and they are fucking brilliant. I'm really I'm hoping that this is a cool, like we're, we're in quite a bit of communication with them at the minute. I'm hoping this is a bit of a cool that they're going to release a fucking single soon because the tracks that they're bringing out so far, it's something that it just sounds so much bigger than it is. It's kind of already playing to a room full of fucking people when they've only got like 150 followers sort of thing. So yeah, Echoes, it, they're a brilliant, brilliant band. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I've got Chaos in the Tea House I wanted to give a shout out So I've stumbled across them And they're a London band And I put them in the playlist this week 
they've only got two songs but they're both really good they're like really um like upbeat like quite jangly indie but he's got quite a unique voice and they've put on their spotify it's like witty lyrics and it sort of is like when it it sort of just bollocks but it sounds so good like it all opens about i'm like eating beans on toast or something but it's like sung seriously and then you listen to it and they're like what did they just say that sort of thing so it's it's got really clever lyrics but the music like really holds up as well so they're a sick one brilliant well, three days then there's, three a, days. there's a band i'm listening to at the minute Go on, Go on. it's called uh they're called wooden legs real feet <laughs> <laughs> one legs real feet wooden legs <laughs> <laughs> well then well i think that that comes to a that comes to a nice end to the podcast lads have you got anything that's coming out soon or will have been will have been announced by the time this comes out that you want to try to chat about and let everyone know that they should kind of get listening to yeah we've got i'm just gonna announce it because it's says april isn't it yeah it's not going out to april so um We've got. Well, we've got uh, an acoustic album on sale now. Three hundred limited edition vinyls, um, and then we're going to do an acoustic tour as well, a socially distanced tour, which probably, hopefully, will be on sale now. Hopefully, it'll be sold out by now, but we'll see. <laughs> we should do like two versions, shouldn't we? Should do like you do like the acoustic tour is definitely happening now. I'll be like, unfortunately. The acoustic tour yeah. has had to be pushed, <laughs> but the album is still definitely out. Yeah. <laughs> then we can just like use can edit it. Yeah, just alternate. Yeah, we'll just do loads of endings. Yeah. Yeah. Just announce loads of mad stuff. We've got a fifty-song right, album coming out. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, Sai's been locked up in a <laughs> prison. <laughs> just two I'm mad endings. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. I mean, we've got all night. If you sort of smash through, like, <laughs> releasing a Haunted House podcast. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Right. But no, if it is all out, if it is all gone ahead, then everyone check that out. Acoustic album, that vinyl sounds sick. Looking forward to that coming out. And uh, yeah, buy tickets to the shows if there's any left. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, lads, for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. So if you're still listening to this podcast, which I fucking hope you are, um, make sure you like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube, uh, Instagram, whatever. Wherever you're listening to the podcast on, click the subscribe button. Make sure you download the most recent episodes, and we'll see you all on the other side. Peace.